Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting to you today from North Central West Virginia. My privilege today, we have once again with us Sister Sister Sandy Seckman, and she's got a great study today. Can the world say you've been with Jesus? So without further ado, I'm going to let her pray and get into this great study. Great to have you, Sister Sandy. Thank you, Pastor. It's good to be here this morning. I'm just going to go ahead and pray then this morning. Father, okay. Name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Lord, help us to strive to live more like you every day of our life in everything that we do. Lord, let us always be aware that we are representing you on this planet. And if we call ourselves a Christian and the world is watching, Lord, don't let us fail you. Father, if there would be one listening this morning who has said, you know, that I want to be a Christian. Let them listen to this this morning, Father. We're grateful to you this morning for the very breath that you've given. We're grateful for this awesome witness avenue to witness and share your word, Lord. And we just ask that you be with us this morning. Allow us to say only what you want said, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the, can the world say that we've been with Jesus? That's that's kind of a a very good question to ask because, as I said, you know, we do represent the master on this planet. If we're going to label ourselves and call ourselves a Christian, we are obligated to live just that life in front of people. Um, I, one of the questions that I have is, have you ever asked someone in your lifetime if they were a Christian or a believer? And usually most people will come back with a, oh, I hope so, or I guess so, right. or I really think so. You know, that automatically shows you there's not much confidence in their answer, you know, of, of who or what they truly believe. And then the, the other flip of the coin is have you ever been asked if you were a Christian or a believer? And I put down, I said, hoping upon hope. We can always answer with an absolute yes, with nothing like a hope or I guess or something to that 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 realm. Personally, you know, deep down, we know whether we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. I heard a little uh, snippet once that a man once asked, how do you know? He asked a man, he says, well, how do you know that you've been saved? And the man answered him and said, well, I was there when it happened. You know, and that's <laughs> Yeah. We're Amen. there when it happened, and we know whether we um, accepted him or not. 
The truth is, is that you've ever had an experience with Jesus Christ, you know in your heart. You know. There's no question about it at all because he changes us. He changes. To have him in our in our hearts and our lives, you know, is is something that you can't mistake of, of knowing. How can others know that we are a Christian or a believer? Uh, and I kind of was thinking about um, how in the world when we look at certain people, you know, they'll, they'll wear badges, um, people that that go to to companies or um, like in the courthouse or different things, you know, they'll wear badges that kind of oh. let know who they are. You know, um, people wear their security scan badges, um, military medals. We can see what what level in the military people can be just by what they portray on their, their chest, police, and so on. We recognize who they are when we do that and what they do, and most of the time we can pretty much know what their responsibilities are. But what if believers went around wearing a badge that says, I'm a Christian? And that made me think, you know, would people really know just what, what does that mean? Uh, what are your job qualifications? What what does it mean that you're a Christian? What are you supposed to do? What do you say? People wouldn't really know exactly what that responsibility would be because that, that badge wouldn't tell a whole lot. And the reason being is because um, I might get ahead of myself here a little bit, but that, you know, what what they see is what labels us and what shows us as being a Christian. Um, if we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, our life is going to show that. You you know, just as as, as the, the, the sinful man, his life shows what he is, so should a Christian's life. You know, our words will show in various ways his nature, his love, and the world will know because that's a, that's the the key there is showing his love and who he is in us because no way is it in us at all. We are nothing without mm-hmm. him in our lives. And that's that's a mistake that some people make. They think that, well, I'm a Christian, so I will be good and I can do this. Well, we can't do anything without the love of Jesus and his nature living inside of us. It's just not going to work. The scripture text that, that I chose this morning to go along with this um, and what I've been leading up to is in Acts 4.13, and this is from the New Living Translation. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, a little prelude to this verse is Peter and John um, you know, they had just healed the, the lame man at the beautiful gate, and they were claiming his healing in the name of Jesus, as we should today. And people were watching them as as they came into the the temple, and they walked in with the lame man and Peter and John. And, you know, that these people recognized who this man was. They'd passed him every time they came in through the gate. And I, I picture them all just sitting there with their jaws, you know, open to the floor, going, yep. what in the world? You know, how could this be? You know, and they, they, the Peter and John let people understand 
but it was in no way anything through their own power or their goodness or their godliness that healed this man. They preached Jesus and his resurrection, and the leaders kind of got a little disturbed about this. They, you know, they they had the big question marks all over them. You know, what 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 do you mean? You know, they were upset and they wanted to know by what power or what name that these men had used for this man's healing. Well, then we go on, we see that Peter and John told them that it was through the power of Jesus Christ, the one that they had just crucified, the, you know, the one that God did raise from the dead, and by no other name but his name can anyone be saved, can anyone be healed, can anyone do anything. And then we come into verse 13, and it says that they marveled and realized that these men had been with Jesus. They, they took it in their heart to understand that, well, Peter and John, as Peter and John, didn't do anything. But this man, Jesus, through his name, through his power, they were able to see that that's how this man was healed. That, so that I, I, I look at it to the thing is, does the world recognize us as one who has been with Jesus? Does, you know, do we flaunt our own talents? Do do we go around, you know, letting people think that we're we're doing all the goody good stuff and stuff, or do we let people always know that it's Jesus in me that allows this to be done? You know, we are His hands, we are His feet, we are His mouth. Jesus is literally, physically not on the planet anymore right, right now. He's going to be very very yes. soon. Hallelujah Amen. for that. But um, the fact remains is he has, he's got to use us. And if we go about saying, it's if I did it, I did this, I did that, we're, in a lot, we're going to get in a lot of trouble because that's, that's the number one sin, which is the pride word, and that gets us in a whole lot of trouble. And we have Satan's um, existence today to show what pride will do to us. As those witnessing the lives of Peter and John, it was said with certainty that these men were had been with Jesus. And I like that word certainty. They knew. You know, they they looked at him and they said they were ordinary men with no special training. They didn't have a high IQ, you know, they they didn't have any relatives that, that got them in to to do this because of who they were. Um, no big scholarships back on the back of their lapels or anything showing. They were just ordinary men who allowed themselves to be used by God. The question that I ask today and hope to give to all of us in great insight in our walk with the Lord is this, is how can we let the world today recognize us as the leaders in Peter and John's time did and have them look at us and say at all times, never in question, that they are a man or a woman who has been with Jesus. And I've got five little um, things that I'd like to touch on that we can work on to show and to pertain to let the world know that we are Christians. And I say that we can work on because none of us is perfect. We are all growing every single day. We change every day for the better, hopefully. And so the, the best one of the best things that I like to know is is that if we can expose what our problem is, then the enemy can't can't destroy us with it because he doesn't like exposure. He likes to hide things. He likes to keep things in the, in the background. 
And so when we when we hear something and we're allowed, you know, we we're allowed to to expose this out, God God works on it because the enemy then goes, you know, well, I lost that one. How am I going to get there? But anyway, the first one is our attitude towards sin. And in the New King James Version, 1 John 3, 8 through 9, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. This the scripture translates to this, that one who is born of God does not continue to practice sin. Now, the question is, will we slip up occasionally? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. that's, that's a guarantee. <laughs> but we, quick, <laughs> we quickly repent of that, hopefully, when we do. The enemy, though, will do all he can to, to work through us, to not allow us to, to, to repent to that. And one of his favorite words, I think, is compromise. He likes to come in and just give us little compromises that makes us think, well, you know, it's like the little white lie. You know, oh, a little white lie is okay. I'm not really blatantly lying. And we all know that is one a very good um, example of who the enemy is, is. He's a liar and the father of them. You know, so he, he likes to come in and give us com- compromises. Uh, and will make sin kind of look to be okay. I have a couple examples here. Um, it's like the enemy would tell us, it's okay to go to church Sunday morning, and it's still okay to go to the movies and skip church Sunday night. Who, who's going to care? You know, it's no big deal. You went Sunday morning. The enemy will say, go to church Wednesday night, but go ahead and, and follow and live in sin every other night. The enemy may, may say, be careful with your conversation around the pastor and church members, but it's okay to to have the unsavory language when we're at work around the the proverbial water fountain and at home behind closed doors and places that we would be where um, our fellow Christians or pastors or people that know um, you know that we are Christians to to do that. But the true Christian, the one who's totally sold out to Christ who honestly has the Spirit of God living in him, will say, I will not compromise. I will be a Christian every day as well as Sunday. I'll act in my home, in my work, in the public, the same way that I do in church every Sunday. And that, that, that makes the enemy angry when we won't compromise with him. He does not like that because he likes to have control over us. Um, I read a story once. It's a it's a quick little story that kind of fits this subject. Well, it's sad, but it does. Um, in a revival meeting, a woman turned to her husband and said, "My dear, why don't you give your heart to Christ?" And the man shook his head. No, she made the same request a second time, and still there was no response from the man. So on the way home, she said, "I had really hoped that you would make your decision for Christ tonight." The man replied to her, he says, I'll tell you why I haven't given my heart to Christ. And I don't mean to be rude to you, but you're a Christian and I'm not. Yet there's no difference in our lives. You do the same thing that I do. You go to the same places that I go. You read the same things that I read. I see no difference in us. 
if you're a Christian, I'm just as good as you are. And how true is that? You know, Amen. they're watching. If we don't show a difference, what are we what are we portraying for them to to want something better? You know, if if we're constantly if we if we fit into the crowd, if we show no difference, and that's not who we are. That's not what we do. How can we ever hope to draw people to Christ when there's nothing different about us? When the outside world watches us and sees that we don't have anything or do anything different than them, what incentive do they have to serve the Lord? It's just not there. And the sad thing about a lot of Christians today is not that we don't go around drunk. You know, we we don't practice immoralities. We don't, we our mouths, we pretty much contain our mouths for the most part. Or, or anything like that, but what it goes into a, a whole other story is this is kind of like the lukewarm Christian, you know, um, the one that will pretend when they need to, another one that will fit into the world. And we all know what the Lord says in his word about what he does with a lukewarm Christian. Amen. You know, it, he will spew them out. It's, it's sickening to him. That you're hot, that you're neither hot nor cold. You know, uh, our Father uh, has more respect for us if we would say, "Well, I'm, I'm just not going to serve you. I don't want nothing to do with you. I want to do this." Than to say, "I'll, I'll do it a little bit, but then I've got to come over here and do this." You know, that, that's, that's not one. Nothing, nothing today shocks anymore. You know, they, they constantly say that times are changing and, and we have to go along with the flow and, and so many things that 20 years pastoralism that we thought was atrocious is just everyday stuff today. Why? How did it get that it wasn't good then, but today it's acceptable. It's okay. We'll just turn a blind eye to it. You know, mm-hmm. Bible says that my God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he said Amen. in the beginning, what he said today, what he's saying for the future is ne- has never changed and never will. Yet here we take the, that word compromise and we go, okay, you know, we'll do this just to fit our needs so that we look a little bit better. And that's a whole other subject, and I'll get back onto this this one. <laughs> but our lives have so many changes in it. You know, school changes us, health, life itself changes us. But our life in Christ and our words should be the greatest change that Amen. ever comes, comes into our lives. We need for the world to label us in our speech as they've been with Jesus Christ. Our attitude towards sin should every day show those that we meet, those that we live around, that we have been with Jesus. Now, does it we do that for bragging rights? Absolutely not. In no way, shape, or form should we put our thumbs under our suspenders and go, can you see I've been with Jesus? Man, that's, that you're getting into some trouble there, too. You know, yes, we just say and act according to, and allow his light to shine through us. Um, the second thing is what satif- satisfies us. In 3 John 4, this is also the New Living Translation. I have two translations here because I couldn't pick which one I liked the most, so I've just kind of put them both down here. <laughs> the, the New Living Translation says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. And the Amplified says, 
I have no greater joy than this to hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in the truth. It's good to have the truth in us, but it's better to manifest the truth in our lives. Um, Maybe I shouldn't say better. Um, By having the truth in us, we should manifest the truth in our lives. People would rather see a sermon than to hear one. Words can, we can say anything. Does it mean anything? But when they watch our lives, that's a that's a that's a different story. The next scripture is in Luke twelve sixteen through twenty one, and it says, "And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops?" So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all the crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So it is who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. The Lord uses this parable to warn us against one of the most insidious evils in the human heart, which is covetousness. The definition of insidious, which we can perfectly pin to what the enemy does, is it's proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with harmful effects. It's treacherous. It's crafty. And that's just like I said a few minutes ago. What once was sin in our eyes, today is acceptable or tolerable. And how did the enemy do that? Did he just turn the light switch on one day and said, no, no, no. He put little bits at a time, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit on this side, a little bit, and just gradually. But what's the outcome? Harmful effects. Nothing good at all. Material possessions. One of the strongest drives of all. You know, we've got Hollywood, we've got magazines, we've got QVC that, that Lord, if I watched that, I, I would be so in debt, it's not even funny. I mean, they've just got all these great things that you think you need. You know, they're all these pretty things and stuff. Um, and, and we have the mentality of keeping up with the Joneses. That, that was way back when. That's something that's never changed. People always want one step more of what the other guy has. And that's that's so that's so harmful to us. Um, in the case of this farmer, he happened to have a very plentiful crop this particular year. You know, he but then he was met with a dilemma of where he was going to put all this extra grain. So he decided to rebuild bigger silos, you know, and contain all of it for himself. But what happened here was he missed out on a blessing. And he fell into greed. He could have kept what he needed. He had survived all these years and stuck on what he needed and given the rest to the needy to satisfy their hunger, both spiritual and physical. You know, so many things he could have done. And then in verse 19, he plans his retirement. I mean, once he sees this bumper crop, you know, he's already starting to sit back, go, I don't have to do anything anymore because I got plenty, you know, to do my and. And the way that he spoke, you know, my barns, my fruit, my soul, my goods. Um, His future plan was a planned future for easement. Eat, drink, and be merry. If that's not today's lifestyle, 
I mean, this is exactly what this world wants to do, eat, drink, and be merry. But the thing is, is when he was, when he finally had made his decision, all the things that he was going to do, you know, relaxed and satisfied with all the thoughts that he needed, God shows up. God looks at him and calls him a fool and then says to him, he says, I'm going to require your soul this very night. Then he asked him, who's going to profit by what you've got today? You know, if you were asked if Christ came today for your soul, who would receive all your possessions? How much better to use them for the Lord today than to let them fall into the devil's hand tomorrow? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you should not save for, you know, quotation marks, the rainy day. We all need right. to do that because life, things happen. And it does. It, it, we've got to kind of put a little bit back for when these things. But for the most part, you know, we live as we live and understand that God supplies our needs according to his riches. You know, he He understands. He knows what we, what we do. You know, the Bible tells us that it's much better to use things for the Lord today, to um, not let them fall into the enemy's hands, to lay up our treasures in heaven now, because this, the, these things are going to go away, and so are we, should the Lord tarry. You know, none of us are promised forever life until we've crossed over or the Lord comes back in the rapture. So for the most of us, um, this, this is exactly, exactly what we need to do, is we lay up our treasures in heaven today. We, we sow into the kingdom. We give into the kingdom. And it doesn't always have to be money. You know, our, our every, everything in our lives goes for that. Um, um, I, I kind of like the little thing how a pig, you know, he, he likes to wallow in the mud. I mean, he is in, yeah. in seventh heaven, you know, when he's doing that. He's completely satisfied just rolling around and stuff. But for the most of us, now I can tell you personally, if I fell in the mud, I want a shower ASAP. Get Amen. me out of this icky. <laughs> you know, I'm not satisfied. And the same, you know, pe- some people will wallow in sin and worldly gain. They want honor, prestige, and all these kind of things. And this is what satisfies them. But some people fall into sin and are in mis- and are miserable in it, and they get out of it as fast as they can. These are those that want to be like Jesus. These are your Christians with Christ living within where sin can't get to. They're only satisfied when they're back into the Lord's arms. All of us have have made that mistake. And how wonderful it is to feel. When, when, like the word says, that, that he puts us under his wing, and we know that we're satisfied there. We know that we're comforted there. How great of a place to be under his wing when we've made a mistake. I can remember as a child when I did, did wrong, and I would get my bottom swapped and stuff, but still after it all happened, you know, when it was all done and said, I would crawl up on my mother's lap and everything would be okay. You know, she would certainly say, you understand what you did. You know why I did what I did and why you can't do that, yes. But those arms, you know, and that's the way that that we should all be. Again, what satisfies you? If you can be fully satisfied with the things of the world, this is a sign that you're probably not as close to Jesus as you think you are. You know, what do you enjoy? What kind of places do you like to hang out with? 
kind of books do you read? What kind of things do you do at your leisure time? How much time do you spend on social media? The things that satisfy you prove if you are one who's been with Jesus or not. Be careful. Take inventory of what satisfies you. That's something that we should do every single day of our lives is take inventory. A third thing is how do we treat other people? This one is, is kind of like a little toughy um, because people love their moods. You know, I like the, the you never know certain people that you come into contact with that you kind of, you know, wince around a little bit just to see what kind of mood they're going to be in today as to whether you can be goofy with them or whether you need to be solemn with them or whatever. John 13.35 in the New Living Translation says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And to give a background of this, I'm going to go ahead and read John 21 through 35. It reads quickly. Let me get my place here. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, now we're at the, there at the Last Supper while this is going on, while this is being said. Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he was speaking. Now there was leaning on Jesus, Susan, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to who I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought, for some of them thought that Judas had the money box. And Jesus had said to him, You know, go buy things that we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately into the night. So when it was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And I've, the, then he goes on to, to say the scripture. Um, verse 35 says, By this you will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. Because he tells us back in, in the other ones, he says, I shall be with you. A little while longer, you will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment. This is this is what Jesus told them. I give to you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus shared the new commandment to his disciples during the last summer, and with all attitudes of our Christian life are measured, the attitude of love should always be first and foremost. That is that is the new commandment that Jesus said with his own lips. You know, we must realize that the Spirit of God will not work in an atmosphere of hate, of distension, of unrest, of of just a mess. It doesn't do that. Do we call ourselves a Christian? The best way to show that is to love other people. We have to, in the process of that, love will pity the weak. Love will tell the sinful how Jesus is the answer. Love will love the unlovable, and love will forgive wrongs done to us. And when I look at each one of this, how hard um, and how sad is it that so many Christians today, they don't care about the one that's weaker than them. 
the one that's poorer than them. You know, they 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 look at their lives and go, man, I got it all. They're not willing to say, well, I was once like that simple person, you know, that they need Jesus just like I do. We want the people that want to, they want to keep it into themselves and keep Jesus, you know, in their four walls and not give him to anybody else. Um, we've all had, if, if you've been a Christian any length of time, um, to love the unlovable is probably up there at the, at the top because there are some unlovable people in this planet, on this planet. <laughs> unlovable people in our lives. Unlovable Amen. people that when we go to the grocery store. Well, I've, you know, I've heard you and, and the other pastors talk about you know, one, one of the best examples is when we're behind the wheel of the car. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of unlovable people out there when they get behind the wheel of a car, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, and so it's how do we handle that? You know, that that's where the true walk of a Christian is how do you handle when you come up against these things? Jesus showed an act of love even when he outed Jesus. You know, first thing that was said, Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. Mm-hmm. Eleven of the disciples looked at Jesus and said, is it me? Are you talking about me? And then Jesus looks at Judas and says, whatever you're going to do, you do it quickly. Then Jesus did something that, that I do find amazing that of his awesome love. is The Bible says that no one knew that Jesus was talking about how Judas was a betrayer. You know, that didn't come in. They, they're looking at him that, that maybe Jesus has sent him out to get food um, for the feast that they're getting ready to have. Um, he had the cash box. Maybe he's to give it. Um, pay some bills or, or, you know, give to the poor. But if we look into this and see, can we really see what Jesus did here? Even to the last, Jesus shielded Judas from his his pending disgrace. I mean, oh, my gosh, that that is so, you know, that he didn't even call him out at that point. He could have exposed him in front of every one of them, belittled him to pieces, but Jesus showed compassion for him even at that point. Do we have that kind of a spirit within us? Could we have done what Jesus did, knowing that, knowing something of that caliper about somebody? Oh, this world is so quick and so fast to, you know, to get, if they get some little dirt on somebody, man, they, they get on the phone, they get on the Facebook. Phone's not phone like we used to do, you know, calling up. It's the Facebook and it's it's social media that they get on. But the world, they're, they're, people are so hungry to just reveal anything dirty or anything bad that they can about someone to as many people as they possibly can. Many take no care at all at what they're going to do to somebody's reputation at this point. Never. They, all they think is, I've got something good on this one. I've got something good on her. Excuse me, I'm going to get me a drink here. Sure, no problem. Again, like I said, many of us take no care when it comes to destroying someone's reputation. You know, we can wear crosses around our neck. We can carry our Bible wherever we go, put little pins on our lapel, do all the things that we can, and proclaim that we're disciples by this, by this means. But the true mark of a Christian is love for your fellow man. When you know it, this is something that does not come overnight. This is something that doesn't come easy. Trust me, 
Um, and I'm just one little person on this planet. But sometimes love does not come easy. Um, and it's something that you have to constantly work at. Um, one, the first um, word of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we look at that and we see that without love, we go to the next one is joy. Without love, how can you have joy? The next one, peace. Well, without love, how can we have joy? And if we have joy, if if we don't have joy, we can't have peace. And, and so on. You go down each, all nine of them, and they all, none of them could exist and work in our lives to its fullest without love. Love has to be first and foremost. Some people, you know, will will look at the fact that, um, well, you know, I'm really not good at loving people, and I'm really not good at doing that. That's not being like Jesus, like we, like I said before, like how he he could have treated Judas a totally different way. Even knowing what this man was getting ready to do, he still saved him faith. You know, he he wouldn't let the other ones. Um, ridicule him at the at the time that that it could. That's not the master that that I serve. But in order to have this love, it is not a natural thing. Look at look at the enemy. He hates. I mean, who's who's the one he hates the most? He hates the Christian, and hate is the word. You know, he yep. does not like us. He wants to destroy us because he hates Jesus so much. In order to love people the way that Jesus loved and to fulfill this new commandment that he has put before us to love one another, it requires a divine power, and this power is only given to those that are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. I mean, there is no other way because in our natural in our natural life, in who we are, you know, we are sinful man, and without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there's no way we could love the unlovable. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. The world will know that you're a Christian by your attitude towards others. When you treat somebody cruelly in a grocery store, when, you know, you you make gestures or you do things when you're behind the wheel of your vehicle, these are not traits of who Jesus is or what we should strive to be, who Jesus is. We will show divine love, which will cause them to say they've been with Jesus when they see that love come out of you. The fourth one is, what is your attitude toward the church of God? Now, this in Ephesians 5.25, the New King James Version, This is they're talk, he's talking about husbands loving your wives. And, and it goes, you know, it's a little uh, snippet of, of just how married people are to act and to treat each other. But the scripture that I like is because of the other part of it. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And this pertains to marriage and it also pertains to the church. You know, I read a a little story once and and in the story the a man asked his pastor, I'm afraid because, Pastor, I'm afraid that I may be displeasing God by loving my wife so much. I kind of think there's a lot of women out here that would love for their husbands to say that. You know, but <laughs> that's that's another story there. But <laughs> Pastor asked, he says, do you love her more than Christ loved the church? And the man said, no. So the pastor ended with, 
only when you go beyond loving your wife more than the love that Christ shows would you be in trouble. You know, listen, I I will say this with almost 100%, or not almost, with 100% guarantee. There's no way any of us can love anybody as much as Jesus Christ loved us. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a reality. It, it It's just not. You know, there's no way it could ever happen. This man came down from heaven. You know, he, he, you know, I look at myself and go, wow, to be in heaven and choose to come down here? You know, what was he thinking? Well, he was thinking how much he loved us. He was thinking how much he needed to get us back to the Father. And so for that, he sacrificed his life and sacrificed heaven and and the, the place that he did to go through what he did. And he did it. You know, we've all heard many people say, if, it, if 2,000 years ago, if he had only seen my face, he still would have done it. Just for that one person, he would have done it. And so, you know, that, that kind of love... We can't, we can't even begin to love someone. You know, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. You know, um, I've got a plaque on my refrigerator that says, if I had known grandkids were going to be so great, I'd have had them first. You know, I mean, my <laughs> grandkids, they, they're number one to me. But I, And as much as I love them, as much as I love my husband, I can't I can't even begin to love them as much as my Jesus loved me and has loved each and every one of us. If you find there's no love in your life for others, do you have the right to call yourself a Christian? And I answer that with a bold no because Jesus said he is love and mm-hmm. without love how can you be call yourself Jesus like, which is Christ like. That's what a Christian is. Christ like. A saved Christian will want to worship God. You know, our desire to be in church, to worship with fellow believers, should never be a struggle. Our desire to hear God's word should always be a main focus in our life, whether it's in church or whether it's our own personal study. The gospel is um, the sweetest news that Christ loves us, that he died for us, that he rose again, and he's ready to save all that comes to him by faith. If we don't go to church and we don't hear God's word, are you a saved man? The world would think no. I would think no. You know, Second um, Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Our desire to pray, our desire to get into his word and study to show you know, and be able to say, okay, I know what Jesus expects of me, and I'm going to walk in that expectation. That's the, the, the thing that we need to do. That's where we need to work at. A saved Christian wants fellowship with kindred spirits. You know, we don't go to church just because I can say I go to church. We go to worship together. We go to pray with each other. We go to be strengthened together by his word. We go to pray for each other. When when some people are down, you know, we're there to pray with them and for them. 
We're there to rejoice and to to when something great happens with somebody. We're there to hold their hand and lift them up when sorrow is in their hearts and in their lives. That's why we go because we we need to be with people who are lifting up Christ at all times. And if a person shows no no desire to be around like-minded Christians, is a Christian if you have you know if you like the outside world better need to need to take inventory Christ's love for the church has presented three ways to us in the past the present and the future in the past Jesus demonstrated his love for the church by his sacrificial death on the cross he paid the greatest price to purchase a bride for himself and I'll amen that one myself in the present, his love is shown in his work of sanctification. Used with that word, that sanctification is used to set us apart and have the Holy Spirit living within us. His word teaches us how to live a clean and acceptable life before him on this earth. As long as we stay faithful to him, there's the key. We stay faithful to him. In the future, we will be presented to him as a glorious church. Hallelujah not having spot or wrinkle, holy and blameless. If we neglect or persecute the church, can we say we are saved or are a Christian, Christian? The world and I say no. The last one is, what do our fruits say about us? Luke six forty-three through 45 in the New King James Version, it says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The world watches us, Pastor, especially Amen. if yourself a Christian. They Amen. do see what's coming out of you. Is it Christ fruit or is it world fruit? Those around us should be better because we come along and touch their lives, not because of who we are, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. A tree bears fruit, good or bad. It's, it's going to happen. If it's a bearing fruit or tree, it's going to have one or the other. A Christian is the same way. Bad or good, one or the other, we're going to bear fruit. Both depends on where you are in Christ and how you are living. The fruit of a man who is morally pure and spiritually healthy will bring forth blessings for others out of the good treasures of his heart. We, we, you can't contain it. You know, when, when you've got Christ living in you, you can't contain sharing the goodness of his love, the goodness of the gospel, you know, to look at those who are hurting, to look at those who... who our literal, you know, we, our, our streets, our cities, our world is full of people who have so many addictions to so many different things. And the, why are they? They're looking for something. They're looking for an answer to make whatever their life is going through just a little bit easier. You know, they want that little, that little touch of peace now and then in such a chaotic life. And we have the answer. And his name is Jesus Christ, and it should it should just boil in us to want to get out there and to be 
you know, and tell them, look, here's, here's who will satisfy every need that you think your body needs. He's a friend. He's a healer. He will, he will take you under his wings. He will teach you. He will love you. You know, you don't have to have this substance or, or this person to make you who you are. All you need is Jesus Christ in your life. He will make you like him if you're willing to walk that route. And, and how great that is. You know, nothing, nothing is greater than watching someone who, I'll just use the example of the, when the light bulb goes off in them and they understand and they realize, wow, why hadn't I done this years and years ago? You know, I, I go back, I remember the day I gave my life to the Lord. Wow, ever-changing. I mean, you just can't explain the, there's not a drug on this planet that can give you the, the euphoria that you have when you know you're, you've given your heart to the, to the Lord. When, when he is living inside of you, you know, there is no greater joy than to know that you are one with Christ. You know that you are now a child of God, and this is this is something that we, our fruits should say about us: that we are out there working, that we are out there witnessing, that we are praying for the lost to give them that answer. Now, on the other hand, a man who's basically impure only will bring forth evil fruit. You know, in the verses that we read, the Lord was telling the disciples that their ministry is to be a ministry of character. What kind of fruit does your character show? You know, we are what we are, um, if you want to put it that way. But when I've accepted Jesus Christ, I am no longer me. You know, we are changed. He changes us. We go, it's like the, the cocoon to the butterfly. You know, what? where we were once pinned in, bound in by a certain thing, by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we now have the our wings spread, and we're ready to go. But our character, because everybody's watching you, and uh-huh. everybody's listening to you, whether that's in your neighborhood, whether that's at the grocery store, whether that's the person that cut you off in the vehicle, they're watching. Now, chances are most people, um, unless they know you personally, you know, aren't going to... If you're driving in your car, you know, it's kind of hard to say, well, that's a Christian, that one's not, that one is, that one might be. But especially our loved ones, our unsaved loved ones, and our neighbors. I, I, you know, the neighborhood that I live in, um, I, I don't know whether they, I'm not, I don't think I'm considered a busybody, but I, I make it my point to know everybody. I want them to know me, and guess what? A lot of them watch me, and the church that that we attend, you know, is across the street, and they watch me every morning, and they so they they know that I go to this this church, so they're watching and listening to me when I'm in conversation with them, when I'm outside working, when I'm doing different things, and they come along, you know, and and to me, this is my community, and I want these people see Christ in me so that I can show them and then have the trust in me that I can show them who the answer is. Not that I want to build up my church. You know, I mean, that the, the Word tells us that if we lift him up, he'll do the rest. 
you know, it's just spending our time lifting him up and praising him, then he he will do that. And this this is my my desire, you know, to to do this and to show fruit because they are watching. Let me ask a couple questions here. Does the world know that you're a Christian? And I speak this to to everyone listening. You know, to to take the inventory. Ask yourself, does the world and those around you know that you are a Christian? Do you show the Christian attitude towards sin? Does it take spiritual things or does it take worldly things to satisfy you? Do you have Christian attitude towards others? Do you have the Christian attitude toward Christ's church, such as people that's attending and being faithful? Do you bear good Christian fruit? Can the world look at you and say you are a Christian? You are someone who's been with Jesus. We need to always watch what we say, how we portray ourselves, and the things that we do. Because this world is watching. We are his representatives. And if we give them nothing more than what they've already got, why would they want Jesus? That, that, that just doesn't even compute in my mind. First John 3, 6 in the New King James Version says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor has known him. Do you desire to know him today? As our beginning scripture stated, do you desire your life to be described as he or she has been with Jesus? I want my life to be the one that people say, she's been with Jesus. I want him to shine out of me, not for myself but for his glory and his glory only. And Amen. so I'll let you go ahead and, and, and say a few things, Pastor. I've kind of held the conversation there. That's, that's <laughs> okay. That's great job. Great job. Amen. Well, well, you know, Sister Saint, I heard, I heard it said once that if you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, would it have enough evidence to convict you? Mm. So that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, you know, he said, we are light of the world, and how can a light give light if it's hid under a bushel? You are the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its savor or its or its its ability to be salt, you know, right. salt has a, has a taste about it. It's a preservative, but if it's not any good, it it just kind of kind of clumps up and no taste to it. it. It's no good, and it has to be thrown out and. You know, the Lord said, you know, when he talks about his people, who those who do not uh, 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 bring forth fruit, what he say? He said, I'll lay the axe to the root. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes yeah. we think we just need to float along and just, well, I'm doing the best I can. But what did Paul say? He said, press toward the right. high mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. So it's it's very important that we, uh, you know, we're not really representing people. We're representing Christ. Amen. And he said, you, sh- you shall be my witnesses even unto the, the far corners of the earth. When he told them to go preach the gospel, he said, you will be my witnesses. You'll be like me. You'll act like me. What did, what did Peter say? Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the name of Jesus Christ. And they said, right. you know, that this man was resurrected because why? Because of the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. 
And, you know, the right. Bible says out of that message that he preached that there was 3,000 added to the church daily. And not, not everybody rejected Christ at that time. There was those that, yeah. that he said, what shall we do? He said, he said, he said, uh, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what he said. So, um, you know, it, it's very important. And it's not always easy. And, you know, the Holy Ghost will, will, you know, will sometimes convict us because, you know, you know, Sister Sandy, we're human. And, you know, we deal, you know, we deal sometimes with things in the flesh. It's not always good, you know, but, we, you know, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is, you know, we haven't arrived yet. We haven't got there yet, but yes. we're striving, you know, we're That's striving, right. we're pressing. Amen. So, you know, yes. we do the best we can. And like you said, we do the best we can. And, and, and he makes up the breach. He makes up the gap. He gives us strength where we don't have strength. That, that was a wonderful teaching. You know, it makes us think. You know, take inventory, search out your own salvation with trembling and with fear. You know, what uh, am, am I being a Christian that and when people see me, do they see Christ? And that, you know, you know, it's an old cliche and people said it for years. But in all actuality, that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to p- p- portray him. You know, and when and we don't portray him, we're portraying somebody else. You know, and, and right. the Bible says it's possible to grieve the Holy Ghost. But you brought up one thing there and and then we'll close. Uh when when Judas, you know, was brought towards Christ and he said he said, One of you is a devil and the Bible says he put the sop in the bread and the Bible says right there that then Satan Amen. entered in right. to who? Judas. So Judas. and you made the point that Christ didn't expose him there and then. You know, and I got to think when you said that, you know, so many say, well, it was predestined for Judas. And I done a teaching on this yesterday is, you know, that that he should be lost. I don't believe that. I believe mm-hmm. that that time and that period in which which you talked about, you said Jesus didn't reprimand him, didn't point that Judas could have repented, Sandy. He, he could have repented right. and things could have been well, but he crossed yep. the line, he crossed yep. the line. And allowed Satan to enter, and we know his his end result, you know. And Absolutely. and somebody said, well, gee, you know, the Lord said the scriptures are fulfilled because of the, of, you know, you know, he was called the son of watch, uh, that one which is to be destroyed. But but in all actuality, I believe just as Peter repented, Judas could have done the same thing because he, you know Christ is full of love and mercy, and he would have forgiven yeah. him. Yeah. He would forgive. Him. Now he still went to the cross. He still went to the cross. You know, they found right. some other way, but Satan yeah. wouldn't be able to use Judas as doing that. Right. So great, great, great teaching. You know, we have choices. You know, we make choices every day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So why don't you just lead the people in prayer? Ask those out there that don't know Christ, you know, you know, to accept him today and that God, that God heals their minds and their bodies and just touches their lives, if you would, please. Sure. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you again for this avenue that you've allowed us to have, Father God, Lord, to to tell someone about you, to let them know that you are the answer. Lord, for those that are listening today who've said, I'm not this word you call Christian, but I want to be, all you have to do is just, just repeat these words with me. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my heart right now. I want to live my life as a Christian. I believe you came to this earth, died on the cross for my sins, 
rose again on the third day, and you sit with the Father in heaven, and that you are a soon-coming king? Yes. Father, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Yes, my Lord, help And now I am made clean, and I am a child of God, and I can call myself a Christian. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation. Lord, we thank you for each and every one that has accepted you this morning. Lord, we ask that you just be with them in a mighty way. Lord, this is not an easy walk. The enemy does not like one single person that accepted him under these circumstances. He does not like it because he's lost someone and heaven has gained a soul. Lord, we just ask that you be with them, that you strengthen them, that you guide them, Father Lord, to a good church, Lord, where they can be taught, Lord, where they can have other people, Lord, to to talk to and to pray with them. Lord, again, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this life that you've given us, Lord, to share your love. Lord, let us always be mindful that people are watching and, again, that we are representing you. And let them know, Father God, that their lives can be changed, that they do not have to be where they are, but in Jesus Christ they can be a child of God. Thank you, Father. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Once again, Sister Sandy, great, great, great teaching. And, uh, of course, we will have you back. And, uh, you know, I thank you so much. And I'm sure that uh, the Word of God says uh, that uh, his word goes forth, but it won't come back void. It'll do that's that right. what you sent it to do. So it'll it'll touch somebody. Anybody that'll that will open up their heart, the word of God will take life and, 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 and will stand and, and give them fruit. Amen. So so thank that's you right. so much, Amen, for being on this uh broadcast today. And we will have you again. Amen. All right. Look yeah. forward okay. to thank it. Thank you, sister. Amen. Thank you so much, sister. God bless. Uh-huh. This has been Truth in the Word with Pastor Jim Newsom on Christian Survival Radio. Our email address is truthintheword777 at gmail.com. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up, for Jesus is coming soon.